Scripture says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is the truth? And how do we gain that knowledge? The answer to these questions and more in today's edition of Faith with Father. Living Bread Radio presents Faith with Father, a program aimed at teaching today's culture the truth about the Catholic faith. And now here's your host, Tim Perry. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Nicholas Mancini, currently the pastor of Sacred Heart of Mary Parish in Louisville. Welcome, Father. Thank you, Tim. Good to be with you. It's great to have you here again this week. Thank you. We've been discussing uh, liturgy this week, and let's start today's show by uh, once again defining what is liturgy. Well, once again, liturgy is giving our praise and love to Almighty God. And this is done through the sacrifice of the Mass and through the Church's sacraments. All of this brings us to a closer encounter with the Lord and giving praise, love, and adoration to Him. So liturgy is our participation with Christ in the beauty of the love that He has given us. And isn't that what God wants for each one of us, is for us to encounter Him in such a way that we actually feel His love and we encounter and and share in the life of God? Yes, so true, so true. Okay. So question 192 of the UCAT asks, can the church change the liturgy? Well, there are changeable and unchangeable components of the liturgy. Unchangeable is everything that is of divine origin. For instance, the words of Jesus at the Last Supper. Then there are changeable parts which the church occasionally must change. After all, the mystery of Christ must be proclaimed, celebrated, and lived out at all times and in all places. Jesus effectively addressed the entire person, mind and understanding, heart and will. This is precisely what he wants to do today, also in the liturgy. That is why it has different characteristics in Africa and in Europe, nursing homes, and at World Youth Days and differs in appearances in parishes and monasteries. But it must still be recognizable that it is the one liturgy of the whole worldwide universal church. So, Father, isn't that kind of like the difference between doctrine and discipline? Doctrine can never change because it's an unchanging truth. Yet uh, discipline is something that can be changed as the church sees fit. Right, correct. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's not a doctrine. So what is a Christian house of prayer? Well, a Christian house of prayer is both a sign of the ecclesial communion of people at a specific place and also a symbol of heavenly dwellings that God has prepared for us all. In God's house, we gather together to pray in common or alone, and to celebrate the sacraments, especially the Eucharist. It smells like heaven here. Here you can be very quiet and reverent. Many churches surround us in a thick atmosphere of prayer when we sense that God is present there. 
The beauty of church buildings directs our attention to the beauty of greatness and the love of God. Churches are not just stone, but messengers of faith, but dwelling places of God, who is really and truly substantially present in the sacrament of the altar. That's a great point, Father. I know at our own church, Father Joe Lavick, after Mass, he wants us to leave and have our conversations outside the sanctuary and outside Mm -hmm. uh, the inside of the church. And it's for that reason that you just brought up, that God is truly present in the tabernacle, and therefore he's truly present in the church. And it's irreverent and disrespectful if we talk in front of him as if we're at a mall or at the at the grocery store or at the gas station or whatever. Right. We need to respect the fact that, that God is truly present in a substantial way because he's, he's also uh, present when two or three or more gathered. Mm-hmm. And he's present in nature. He's, he's present in a lot of different ways. But as Catholics, we believe he's most substantially present in the Holy Eucharist. Yes, yes. And that, I think, is the most important factor that we must remember. If we, if we look at the Old Testament, when the temple was built in Israel and the Ark of the Covenant was there, people weren't even allowed to approach the altar of where the Ark of right. the Covenant was. Only certain high priests were able to, and only at certain times of the day, because they had such a respect for it. And in fact, they never even said the name of God. No. They came up with other names for him, Mm -hmm. so as not to disrespect him by actually calling him by his name. That's correct. And so we've lost some of that today, that we don't have that reverence and that respect for the true presence of God. And therefore, what, what that's led to is the fact that in the 60s, we had 75% of the people going to church. And now in the 2010s, we have 75% of the people who don't go to church. Mm-hmm. The numbers have flipped. Right. And that's sad. It really is sad that we have lost that respect for Almighty God. So what, what do you think can be done to for people, regular people that, you know, mom and dad both work, you know, the kids, they might have two, three, four kids going to school. How can we recreate or or bring back that reverence for God and, and, and have families understand what God wants from us and why it's a commandment and why God makes it a commandment for us to keep holy the Lord's Day by going to church. Well, I think that we have to understand, first of all, family. Redefine family. Once we have done that, that a family that comes together. Uh, Father Peyton said it best, the family that prays together stays together. When we get back to that essence of that praying together and worshiping together and building family life and unity, then we will see a greater respect not only in families but for Almighty God and one another. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I uh, was taught very early in my marriage is that I am responsible for leading my wife and my children to Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm responsible for helping my family get to heaven. Yes. And and by doing that, and again, I look to what my dad did. My dad took us to make sure we all went together in the station wagon back in the, mm-hmm. before vans. We had station wagons. We all climbed into the station wagon and went to church and worshiped God. There was no discussing it or questioning no. it. We did it. And, and that was it. So, again, we've lost some of that. 
But as we've been discussing all week long, if we understand that God loves us more than we can even imagine, and that he loves us so Mm -hmm. much that he gave us Jesus, his son, and that Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to suffer great agony and passion and die for us on the cross in order to rise again in victory over sin and death for our salvation, if we could just really grasp the love of God that he has for us, I think maybe more people might go to church. Yes, we need to do that. We really do. So uh, 191 of the uh, UCAT asks, what liturgical spaces define a house of God? Well, the central places of the house of God are the altar with the crucifix, the tabernacle, the celebrant's chair, the ambo, the baptismal font, and confessional. The altar is the central point of the church. On it, Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross is made present in the celebration of the Eucharist, and the Easter meal is prepared. It is also the table to which the people of God are invited. The tabernacle is a kind of sacred safe, houses with the greatest honor in a most worthy place in the church, the Eucharistic species in which the Lord himself is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The so-called perpetual lamp indicates that the tabernacle is occupied. If the lamp is not burning, the tabernacle is empty. The raised chair, or in Latin, the cathedra, of the bishop or the priest means that ultimately Christ is the one who leads the congregation. The ambo, from the Greek, the lectern, the word of God, should manifest the value and the dignity of the biblical readings as the word of the living God. Baptisms are performed at the baptismal font, and the holy water font should be a vivid reminder of our baptismal promise. A confessional or confession room is there so that we can acknowledge our guilt and receive forgiveness. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. Well said. And again, Jesus built only one church. Mm-hmm. And he gave that church his authority by teaching the disciples in the way of the Holy Spirit and telling them that the Holy Spirit will remind them of all that Christ taught them. Right. And it's been handed down for 2,000 years. So, again, that's the other thing I think we need to be aware of is the authority of the Catholic Church as opposed to all these other churches that were started by Mm -hmm. men and women many, many years later. In fact, for the first uh, 1,100 years, there was only one church. Right. And uh, our Orthodox brothers and sisters had a couple of different ideas uh, mm-hmm. about the uh, Philoque and the Holy Spirit and about the uh, head of the apostles. Right. And, and we started this idea of being able to break away from the church that Jesus built. Mm-hmm. And without that authority and without that ability to uh, tell us the truth, from what's untruth, today we have all this confusion. Right, and I think, you know, that we need to understand that the the ecumenical movement is trying to bring together 
the body of Christ, and so that it could be one body, one Lord, one faith, and so on, one baptism, God who we call Father. So the joy of church then is coming to address our Lord. And when we go into a church and we see these beautiful things, uh, our, our minds should focus in on that tabernacle where Christ dwells and offering ourselves unto him, giving him our prayer, love, devotion. And when we go into a church, remember when we see that sanctuary lamp and the tabernacle present to reverence our Lord if we can't genuflect with a profound bow and to always respect him, the mystical presence of Christ in the tabernacle. There he dwells for us and he calls us and he wants us to come and share that love with him. Well said, Father. We've been listening to Father Nicholas Mancini on the liturgy this week. Father, could we have your blessing before we go, please? Sure. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and fill you with his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Don't forget about the Living Bread Radio app for your Apple or Android device. It's available for free at the iTunes Store or Google Play Store. Just look for Living Bread Radio. Again, I want to thank you for joining us this week. Hopefully you learned a little bit more about your faith and about the love of God. Until next time, this has been Tim Perry, your host, saying, May God bless you and yours. Bye for now. This has been Faith with Father, a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. For an audio archive of this program, log on to livingbreadradio.com and click on Faith with Father. If you have a question or comment about today's program, email us at askfather at livingbreadradio.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Faith with Father.